to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living with this disease. Before we dive into this episode, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit, charitable organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just purchase a copy of Doing Diabetes Differently or click the donate link on my website. Number two, stay engaged on all things social media, sign up for the e-newsletter, and subscribe to my newly updated YouTube channel where this episode will soon be live. Enough rambling. Let's get started. Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. Today's guest, Lauren Cox, has quite the impressive record. She helped Baylor win the NCAA championship in 2019. In 2020, she was awarded the Big 12 Player of the Year and the prestigious Pat Summit Most Courageous Award. I have no idea what that means, but we're going to get into it. Lauren's most recent achievement in her professional career is that she's the first WNBA player living with type 1 diabetes and is currently playing for the Valencia Basket Clubs. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Where are you calling in from? Thanks for having me. I am calling in from Valencia, Spain. Yay! Where... <laughs> Keep going. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, where I'm currently playing, I've been here for about four, coming up on five months. I'm really enjoying my time overseas. It can be hard sometimes being away from family, but I really enjoy it. Well, and I have to say, because I talked to my sister earlier today, and she lives in Rota, Spain. And I was like, Haley, you've got to take the family over to see her play. And she was like, I don't know that we'll do that. But if she's ever in the Rota area, she's got a bed, the place to stay. So <laughs> just know my nephews I'll would love you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I start every episode with, because we're all diagnosed with the same disease, but our stories are very different. So let's talk a little bit about your diagnosis story. Yeah. So I was seven years old at the time I was running summer track and I kind of went from winning most of my races to losing coming in towards the back of the pack. So mm -hmm. my parents were like, okay, something is up. This isn't the normal Lauren that we know. So they went and took me to get some blood tests done. Results came back and I was actually at my sister's soccer practice eating a Pop-Tart of all things. Um, <laughs> and my parents got the results back. They took the Pop-Tart from me. We rushed to the hospital and that's where they told me that I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And at the time I was seven years old. I had no idea what that meant, what my life was gonna look like from there on out. And I was scared, but my parents were there with me. So that was very comforting. So just out of curiosity, and I'm glad, I mean, I'm sad that you were diagnosed, but I'm glad that it happened so quickly because a lot of people, they think it's something else. It's the flu and things like that. And so I'm, I'm happy that your diagnosis came quickly. With that being said, how much time did you spend in the hospital upon diagnosis? I think I spent two to four days somewhere between there. Uh, we didn't know what type 1 diabetes was. My grandpa on my mom's side had type 2 diabetes, but obviously they're completely different. Right. And a lot of time just learning, learning that I had to prick my finger to test my blood sugar, learning how to give myself injections, count my carbs. It was this whole new life that I was going to have to take on at such an early age. Oh, I, I obviously know exactly what you're talking about. And at that point we weren't counting carbs, so I didn't have to take that on, but yeah, it's a lot. And just out of curiosity, because I was diagnosed at age eight, were you scared at all? 
I was just because I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew I was in a hospital bed. I had an IV in my arm. My fingers were pricked. I was getting injections every day. So at that time, I mean, in seven years old, you're worried about who am I going to go out and play with after school? Uh, I need to do my, my math homework. I need to (laughs) for dinner those kind of things you're not worried about this life-changing diagnosis that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life oh that's a fact okay so when you were first diagnosed and I ask everybody this too is like what regimen did they put you on were you in two daily injections were you giving four were you put on a pump how did you get started I was doing injections when I first started I was doing the long-term insulin mm-hmm. um, injection morning and then my three injections for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So four injections total. Okay. And so fast forward a few years, tell me about how your, and we'll get into your athleticism here in a second, but how your diabetes management has evolved since your diagnosis. So what pumps, what all all have you tried? The very first pump that I was on was an animus pump. I don't even remember what model it was or anything, but that was the very first one that I was put on. And it just, it made life a whole lot easier because I wasn't having to give myself four, five a day. Um, I, it just made things a whole lot easier to count my carbs, insulin I needed to take. And after that, I started on the Medtronic insulin pumps. I think I started that my sophomore year of college, I believe. I've been on Medtronic ever since. And for me, again, it's made life a whole lot easier, especially with the continuous glucose monitor that communicates. In my experience, I, especially being an athlete, I can just kind of let the glucose monitor and the pump kind of do its own thing and regulate sugar. And it kind of takes a little bit of the stress away from having to deal with that. Well, and we're going to get into your athlete. Well, I want to, we're going to talk about your diabetes daily life and then we'll get into your ridiculous athleticism because you're an overachiever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's amazing. But, you know, I just think, you know, when you started this without running track and doing all these other things, insulin pump or not having diabetes is going to be change things a little bit. So were you nervous about having that attached to you during track? I mean, when you're little. I was, I actually stopped running track before I was on the insulin pump, but I mean, I played volleyball, soccer, basketball. I tried a little bit of everything when I was younger. So having something attached to me, I, I didn't like the idea of that. And when I, I was kind of embarrassed, I didn't want to be the center of attention. I didn't want people staring at me while I'm testing my blood sugar, while I'm, I have my pump out, putting my carbs in. I just didn't want all these eyes on me. Yeah. So having something attached to me that wasn't ideal. And so I started on the insulin pump and it actually took me a while to get on a continuous glucose monitor because mm-hmm. that was another thing that was going to be attached to me. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's been great. It helps me manage my blood sugars. It helps yeah. me keep range. It's definitely a game changer for a lot of people. And I'm so thankful that we have the advancements in technology and continue to have them so that we can live our best lives. So I want to get into your everyday life. And I know that exercise, obviously a huge part of it, which a lot of people struggle with, with diabetes. And so let's talk about, and I've got a a question from a guest I'll ask later, but talk about your, what's your daily exercise routine as a professional basketball player? It's hard to give you an exact 
day-to-day routine because it's different every week. We oh. we get our schedule on a Sunday and that's a schedule for the week. The next, next Sunday, we get our next schedule. We travel a lot as well, so that can be difficult. A typical day when I'm not traveling, I just have practice. Usually we practice in the afternoon. So for example, today we practiced at one, went until about three o'clock, two hours of practice. Uh, That's the middle of the season. So the practices aren't too hard, but they're still intense just to keep us ready. And after that, my day is pretty much free. I mean, I ran some errands today, went and got dinner with friends. So it's a pretty normal day doing it in another country. (laughs) Well, and having dinner, I mean, just, this was one of my other questions with you being an athlete and the amount of calories and all the things that you're burning and doing, as I said, we all kind of struggle with these things at times. What, not that you're giving diet advice, but are you high carb, low carb, high protein? What do you, what do you do? It usually depends on how I'm feeling. If I have a really tough workout or a really hard game and I need to replenish my energy, all that, I usually go more high carb. Before games, it's usually more high protein, less carbs. It depends on how I'm feeling, when it is during the day, what I did before, what I have to do after, that kind of thing. Totally understandable. So here, everybody, I would like to think has a favorite or a go-to low blood sugar snack. What's your go-to? I would say I have three. First one would be apple juice. Just it's quick and easy. If I don't feel like eating, just drink it. The second would be Skittles. Yes. Uh, What flavor? (laughs) I'm a berry Skittles girl. I like all of them. Um, Usually the the, (laughs) my go-to, but I really like all of them. And then the third one would be fruit snacks. And it could be any kind of fruit. I'm not picky. I like it. Those are all good go-to's. So I want to get into your life as a professional athlete. I want to say right off the bat, I have never played basketball. I am not athletic in that sense. I was going through my list of all the things I did in high school. I was like, yeah, I tried it. Yeah, I tried that, tried that. Dance and cheerleading and palm were my only things. So you, (laughs) (laughs) and that's maybe because I'm five, three and a half and you are what, six, four? Four, yes. (laughs) See, totally different ball game there. I mean, literally. (laughs) So I think about when you go into, or I go into any, I'm going to say professional setting because I'm not an athlete, but I want my blood sugar to be in a certain range because I know that that's where I'm going to be my best. And I can't imagine being so active on the court because there's adrenaline, you're burning calorie. I mean, there's so many factors there. So do you have a range in which you like to step into the game? I try to start as low as possible. Really? Um, Because I know that I'm going to spike during the game because of Mm -hmm. my adrenaline the intensity of the game so if I can start as low as 75 80 that's perfect for me and I know some people are like oh that's too low for me that's perfect because I know as soon as I step on that court the whistle blows I'm going up yeah wow that's incredible okay so how not that this is the same every time because I'm sure some games are more intense obviously than others do you get pulled out at any point if your blood sugar gets too high? I mean, what, what, what do you, or do you dose in the middle? What do you do? Sometimes at halftime, if it's really, really high, higher than usual, I will take some insulin at halftime. But most of the time I just kind of let it ride. Even if I do take that insulin, it usually doesn't hit me until after the game. And then I just crash so fast. So 
I play a lot of games in the 200s and I have not figured out anything to do to be in a normal range for game time just because my adrenaline the intensity of the game I mean that here all of those factors make my blood sugar go up well when even when you say normal range that may be your normal range for those things you know what I mean because somebody else can be playing the same game and have a totally different take on how they need to dose through that and it's, it's it's stressful there's no there's no doubt and so with that does anybody else watch your numbers over here it's just me Sometimes there's a little bit of a language barrier. I, my trainers do speak some English and I mean, everyone on our team speaks English, but I take care of it for the most part. I, I wear my pump in the side of my sports bra. Okay. Um, so I wear it during games. I have it with me. So even if I'm out on the court during a dead ball and I can look at it real quick, check to make sure everything's okay. So I'm the one that monitors it. I, I check it at halftime. Mm during a timeout, all those things. Okay. Here's another question with that is you say you put it in, it was the sports bra designed specifically for you to put your pump in, or is it, you just throw it in there and hope for the best? It is not designed specifically for that. Um, it goes like under my arm right here okay. um, and it, it's not designed for that, but it's kind of the perfect fit and I've never had any issues with it. Oh, that's great. I've seen so much gear out there for you know, strap things to your thigh and do all these things. So I'm always curious. And someone who doesn't use a pump, that's always like, where do you put this stuff? Especially in such a, and you're, because you're going to have to be pulling stuff out while you're in the public setting. So get on you for figuring that, figuring that out. (laughs) Do you have alarms that could go off during the game? I do. I don't have it where it will beep or anything, but Mm -hmm. I can feel vibrate. Okay. If my blood sugar has been too high for too long, it will let me know. If it's been too low for too long, it will let me know. Things like that. Usually I don't get that alarm until after the game because it, yeah. the high alarm is set for an hour. So if my blood sugar has been too high for an hour, then it'll it'll give me that alarm. Oh, that's so crazy. And Well, it's, you put your body through a lot with that level of intensity and, and, and working out. Okay. So when do you decide, to, I'm going to say tap out, I don't know what the correct terminology is in basketball, but um, when, if you know that your blood sugar is trend, it's starting to go low, do you say, what, what number do you think I need to step out for a second and down something? Usually, and this, this only happens during practice. So it's kind of for me. So during practice, I usually drop because I mean, there's, yeah. it's not, Super competitive, not a lot of adrenaline going. So I usually say when it hits 70 and if I have arrows going down on my continuous focus monitor, then I'm like, okay, I need to take 10 minutes. I need to eat something and let it come back up because that's when I I start feeling dizzy. I start sweating a lot. I get really hot, go low. And I can usually tell when I'm low because I start missing easy shots that I usually make. Isn't it crazy guys? I know a lot of people and I feel, I feel for them and not in a negative way, just like I can't imagine, but a lot of people don't feel their lows. I still feel my lows. You know, I don't shake anymore. Like I did as a kid, but the sweating and then just like, wait a second, what am I doing? You kind of, you lose your concentration. So I'm glad that you can recognize that because if your CGM isn't working or you have something else fail, it's like, you can trust your instincts, which thankfully, do you know anybody else? I'm going to say we're in, well in Spain, but growing up, did you know anybody else with type one? Growing up? I did not. My parents kind of mentioned um, Nick yeah. Jonas oh, yeah. and Jay Cutler that played in the NFL. They 
they mentioned them early on. I never, I never got to meet them, anything like that. But those were kind of the two that I had heard about. I went to Camp Sweeney one time and that was great for me. I met a lot of great people. Just being able to be around other people that are just like me with that embarrassment that I felt just because I'm, I'm around these people. They're doing the same thing as me. They're going through the same thing as me. They know what it's like. Oh man, I get it. And well, there's so many, you know, I didn't know anybody most of my life and I've had diabetes officially today for 39 years. And I've only met a few people when I started the diabetes daily grind. That's how all started because I met somebody who has walked the walk and we both lived incredible lives. And so it's nice because it really is about the sense of community. And one of the reasons why I like having the podcast to highlight people of all parts and aspects of life, because not everybody wants to be a professional athlete, but to know that you're able to do these things and you can talk openly about it, I think is just so, I'm going to say inspirational for lack of a better term. And I have to say when it comes to athletes, so I live in Norman, Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, Boomer Sooner, and I'll never forget because I love college football. And I I was watching, uh, this was years back and I was, they're like, yeah, and Mark Andrews type one diabetes. I was like, what? You got a sooner? Oh my gosh. And now you look at his career and I hope to meet him at some point, but I, yeah, having those people that are like, okay, they know what's going on. Yeah. Too much. I was rambled, but well, my was actually diagnosed as well. She was 17. So I think she's coming up on five years. Did you say years, your five? sister? My sister, yes. Okay, well, um, I thought that's the case. So what did, there's so many questions with that. Okay, so age 17, 10 years longer. I mean, okay, same symptoms, No, still no family history. Yeah, no family history. So they were actually down at a Baylor game in Waco. And she was she had been drinking a bunch of water on the trip down. Yeah. It's about an hour. 45 minute drive from our hometown and drinking a bunch of water. I think she went to the bathroom probably twice during each quarter of the game. Parents were like, okay, something is, so they had some extra glucometers at home, just old ones that I had used. And they were like, we don't know how accurate this is going to be, but we need to test anyways, because something is up. And sure enough, they tested her. She had a high blood sugar. So they took her to the hospital. She was in the hospital for less than 24 hours because my parents knew all they needed to know. They had seen me grow up with it. Um, She's three years younger than I am. She just turned 22. So, I mean, her diagnosis was as simple as it could be, but it broke my heart when I heard about it. I think we played on a Saturday Saturday night. So we had off the next day. I drove home on that Sunday just to be with her. I mean, we sat on the cra- the couch and cried together and just to see her like that, to know what she's going to have to go through now, it broke my heart. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think it's one of those things, of course, you know, the weight they're going to wear, but at the same time, maybe it's nice that you can share the tips and tricks because you didn't get that opportunity to have somebody to share those things. So is she, well, that's not your story to tell. I will be careful with that. How is she doing? She's good. She is actually playing division two basketball. I love it. Christian. She has actually won a national championship there. That's she, incredible. She is um, going to graduate early. She's going to work on her master's. She's studying accounting. So she's, she's doing really well with it. And I think seeing 
all the success that I've had and all the things that I've done growing up with it really helps her a lot. Okay. With that, let me ask you, because I had mentioned this earlier in the intro, tell me more about the Pat Summit Most Courageous Award, because did you and your sister both receive it? We did. Um, So we both received it. We had a type one awareness game. We did that every year while I was at Baylor. And my senior year, the type one awareness game was us playing against each other. And an extra trip. Yeah. So it was, it was super exciting. My family made a donation to JDRF. We had some kids that were there to watch us play. We had the the split t-shirts with Baylor on one side, Love a Christian on the other <laughs> side. A bunch of family and friends came down for the game. So it was really exciting. And then we later find out that we won the Pat Summit Most Courageous Award. It's a huge honor. Obviously, Pat Summit is a huge figure figure in the women's basketball world with all of her success, just her, her mentality. And I kind of got to experience that secondhand because my coach at Baylor, Kim Mulkey, was coached by Pat Summit and oh, really wow. knew Pat. So a lot of the things that she learned from her, she brought to her coaching philosophy. Well, that's great. Well, congratulations on that because that is a huge honor. And not many people can say that, especially having a sibling winning the same award. That's that's incredible. So something I want to break into, and this has nothing, well, it has to do with basketball as well, but I think some of the things that are not being talked about enough is women's health and issues through diabetes. And so one of the things that I've learned personally and through the diabetes online community is the effect of hormones that we have through, I'm going to say menstrual cycle, which makes me sound like I'm 92, but what I'm not going to tell you what I have found or what other people have experienced. So other than sometimes your numbers are a lot higher. And then there's other times during your hormones throughout the month or however long things get crazy though. Have you had any problems with that? I can't say that I have had specific problems related to having my period because oftentimes I, I mean, obviously I play during my period sometimes. Um, I, I see those high numbers that I get from games. So Maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe it's just I'm I'm high from the game. So it's it's kind of hard to say like yes, that is because specific to that, yeah. A period, yeah. Well, and I think it's more. I will say that once the period ends, as it starts to, you know, well, the cycle ends. It, my problem in the when I well, I'm not going to get that. Um, was my blood sugar dropping considerably? It's like I could not keep my blood sugar up. And so I would be more concerned with that. I mean, if your blood sugar is high and you know that it's because of adrenaline or because of your hormones and that's not, there's nothing you can really do about that, but the lows that that's when it gets a little scary. So, but again, there's nothing you can do. Just drink your juice box and move along, I guess. Right. (laughs) Keep a positive attitude. Compensate for it. (laughs) And that's the hardest part. Okay. So I have a question from my friend, Lorna, and she lives in Scotland and she has been a I'm so thankful to have met her virtually and she was attending my, I was hosting happy hours through COVID virtual happy hours. And she would always come in and she came to Oklahoma this past summer in July, which was like 117, which is ridiculous. Bless her heart. But I reached out to the online committee to see if they had any questions. And her question is how did she find balancing the high carb diet needed for elite training with her diabetes? I would say that I have to, when I do eat high carb, I try to take my insulin five minutes before I start eating. I think that's the biggest thing that I try to do. The insulin that I use, Fios, is more fast acting insulin. So that has definitely helped. But I do find that if I 
I eat a lot of carbs and I don't take that insulin right away, then I'm obviously going to see a spike. Yeah. I'm a, well, there's so many things with that. Okay. Switch of gears just a little bit, just because, and we're wrapping it up is I just wrote an article for the diatribe foundation about diabetes and the impact it has on our relationships. So dating and diabetes, I don't know if you even have time to date. I hope you do. You're in Spain. There's probably beautiful people everywhere. Great people. Do you disclose having diabetes right off the bat or does it just come up afterwards? I think I almost have to talk about it because like if I'm going on a date and we're going to dinner or something, I am going to have to pull my pump out and take yeah. insulin. So they're going to start asking questions, especially if they've never seen that before. Oh, what is that? What are you doing? Yeah. Tell me more about that. So I'm, I'm definitely more comfortable talking about it than I was in my past. Yeah. And I got to my college coach. She kind of helped me break out of my shell. So yeah, that that is something that usually comes up. And I mean, social media is so big now and it's- People know it's who on, you are. Yeah. People usually know. So I, I don't try to hide it. Okay. Do you celebrate your diversity? Do you remember the date in which you were diagnosed? I do September 15th, okay. 2005. And it's funny because it was actually my childhood best friend's birthday. So we, my best friend from when I was a child, it's her birthday. So it was kind of a bittersweet kind of thing. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say I celebrate it necessarily. It's more of a, wow, look at how many years you've been dealing with this. Yep. It's more congratulations, give myself a pat on the back kind of thing. I mean, it's not easy living. It's difficult. There are going to be ups and downs. I think that you got to pat yourself on the back sometimes and tell yourself, good job. I love that. And it's so well said. And I think about, you know, I take some time to reflect and remind myself, this is a really hard freaking job at times. And you've made it this far. Good on you for that. And so as we wrap this up, I want to ask, is there anything you want to say? I'm not going to just say to young people, but the diabetes community as a whole. And so what keeps you going and any hurdles that you've overcome and, and why and how you did these things? Because I think a lot of folks living their everyday life need a little bit of inspiration and a reminder that they're not alone, even though your life is very different from theirs. So any words of advice? One thing that I always live by is you have to control your diabetes. You can't let it control you. I tell that to anyone who ask me what advice do you have and just to learn from it. I mean, it's like I said, there's ups and downs. Every day isn't going to be perfect, but diabetes, dealing with diabetes just in my normal everyday life has made me stronger in other aspects of life. If I have a tough workout one day, I'm like, this is nothing. You've been dealing with diabetes for <laughs> many years. Like you can, you can do this. So yeah, you just, you can't let it control you because it will drive you crazy. Oh, that's a fact. Okay. One last question for real. So with you traveling all the time, whether personally or professionally, we all know that traveling with type one diabetes can be exhausting because there's so much more you have to take into consideration when packing. Do you have a checklist? Does anybody else help you with that? Getting your prescriptions in Spain, has that been a challenge at all? So I have not gotten any prescriptions in Spain. I try to bring over everything yeah. that I need. I mean, my parents are actually coming to visit in a couple of days. So they're going to bring yes. over supplies, more insulin. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of set everything out in the living room. It's all on the floor. Yeah. I need 
this amount of boxes of this, this amount of boxes of this, yeah. set it all out so I can see it all in one place. Cause if I just start packing one thing and then yeah. the next count, so set it all out in front of me. And then once I have whatever number I need, I put it in a duffel bag. Obviously I need to carry those things on the plane yeah. with me. I check them because Lord knows that <laughs> if it makes it end up in a whole nother country. So <laughs> got to keep all of those things with me. And it, it's a little stressful sometimes, but I find that laying everything out, out so that I can see it is helpful. Absolutely. I can even make lists. I'll make a list and then I'll make a checklist off of that list. And I'm like, I'll still end up with, oh, Amber, you forgot X, Y. I'm like, what happened here? You had a list. So yeah. Well, I want to thank you again for taking time to chat. I am super jealous that you're living in Spain right now. And friendly reminder, again, if you go to Rota or any of that area, my sister will put you up. My nephews are funny. They will have, you will have a good time. (laughs) And, you know, congratulations on being such a, I'm going to say a positive role model. It's exciting to talk to someone who's the first in such a male dominated profession. And that's sorry universe to say that out loud, but it's the truth. So keep up the good work and just know the diabetes community is supporting you 100%. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. As I wrap up, I want to remind you that I'm here for my diabetes and the medical community. So feel free to contact me at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Yes, I'm alive. One minor inconvenience. A little thing called diabetes is a daily grind and the daily grind. And it grinds and grinds and grinds and grinds. You got to watch what you eat.